And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Be the best and you gotta pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you gotta do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, for better or for worse, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how we doing? I was thinking, Jordan, how uh, sometimes teams do like videos at the end of a season or something, like NFL films or whatever. And I think the Rams should probably be called the Los Angeles Rams 2022 colon. It's all bad. (laughs) I felt like you loved that one. (laughs) And of course, was the the lead to your column that ran uh, last night. Great work on that. Turn that around really quickly after uh, yet another Rams loss um, that uh, has put them, let's say, in a very precarious situation for those still holding hope that the Rams might make a run for the playoffs. It's not impossible, but whatever the word next to impossible is, I think you can probably go ahead and write that one down. Um, lightly, lightly impossible. Somewhat, <laughs> somewhat light sprinkle of impossibility. Yes. It's like Improbable. The, it's is like that. I, I, I definitely don't want to get into this area, Jordan, but the, the New York Times during the election had the little thing with the needle that, that went back and forth. And, and I kind of feel like that's where it is now. Like it's it's entering that little quadrant that's called impossible. But we'll get to some of that. Um, a lot going on out of this game, Jordan. Uh, the Rams lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but I think probably uh, what a lot of our listeners are going to want to know is about the health of Cooper Cup, uh, because that's something that has relevance even beyond what seems to be a spiraling season. Uh, very, very scary situation uh, later in that game when Cooper Cup, um, I guess you would say, kind of got undercut when he was reaching for a poorly thrown ball um and hospital uh, ball hospital, hospital ball, ball. Yeah. yeah yeah and um couldn't get up even was was down on the sidelines for a while um we are recording should say uh just early afternoon on monday so the situation can evolve but jordan what do we know uh, about cooper cup status right now rich today being monday if listeners are listening to this podcast on tuesday or wednesday or later in the week they're probably going to have more updated information But as what we know right now, what I know right now is that the Rams, their initial beliefs are that they avoided a worst case scenario with this situation that looked like it may well have been a worst case scenario, considering the reaction on the field and just the the legitimate concern that was sort of painted all over everyone's faces and the pain on Cooper Cup's face. Now, a worst case scenario in this regard is something like a fracture some sort of serious break or serious fracture, something that will would require like a year of recovery. Remember when Terrell Burgess broke his ankle? Remember when Jordan Fuller broke his ankle? Jordan Fuller still has not fully returned, had not fully returned from that ankle injury um, into the start of the season. 
that would be a worst case scenario. The Rams sense is that they've avoided that. That's initial testing, right? So those are tests that that take place in game after the game and it's a developing situation. So Cooper Cup then today is Monday. Cooper Cup goes in for more testing today and now they're going to figure out sort of what the next steps of action are and like what the official diagnosis of this thing is. So my sense is a best case scenario of this situation is that Cooper Cup at least misses a few weeks. I mean, there's no way he's not missing some time here. And then we take into the context of the Rams overall season too, right, Rich? Because they're three and six right now, and there's just the faintest glimmer of hope for the playoffs. And if Cooper Cup can't, you know, let's say in a in a situation, let's say it's a diagnosis where it's like four to six weeks, usually with some sort of a high ankle situation, that would be the case. With or without a procedure, there are some amazing procedures out there now where players have returned in, in a month, players have returned like to a tongue of Iloa, for example. Um, there's some amazing stuff out there, but do the Rams want to take a long-term look at this? That's going to be sort of the balance of the situation. Do they want to take a long-term approach where what would be the point of rolling out your best offensive player and one of your stars and a team captain? What would be the point of rushing him back in a recovery, even if the recovery is not a lengthy one necessarily in context to what this injury could have been, you know, do you rush him back? Do you roll him back out in a lost season, essentially? And then also, what's your messaging about that? Because you've got to face all the other guys in the locker room, too, in that context. Yeah, the the messaging is, I, I think you, we could even extend this, and maybe we will, to talk about Matthew Stafford. And and obviously, he missed the game uh, because of what's been, uh, well, he was in the concussion protocol. Uh, we know that for sure. Um I mean, what do you do there? And uh, and you're it's also a guy who's been dealing with a with a bulky elbow at times, which apparently has been okay um, this season. But do you want to throw him back out there in this situation if if that's what they're looking at? But you're right, Jordan. A lot of it is is messaging. I mean, you're, there's a lot of guys on that team who have a lot to play for, and and you don't want to send the message that you're giving up on this season after nine games or that you're giving up on the season at any point. That's not that's not the right message that you want to send. But at the same time, you have to be smart. I mean, rushing Cooper Cup back uh, for a season that is probably lost, there's no real point in that. There's there's nothing for him to gain. There's nothing for him to prove in terms of coming back. Um, certainly the Rams offense would like to see him back. I believe he is, what, 33% of their yards from scrimmage this season, which... Oh boy, um, it's gonna it's gonna look a little rough here without without Cooper Cup for the next couple of weeks. But uh, but you're right, Jordan. It's it's just how do you manage that? How do you do what's best for the full uh, team? And uh, hopefully, it's a situation where Cooper Cup is not out for months or that starts to put his off season in question. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think there's any need to to rush him uh, back here, Jordan. Um, just just looking at this game, my goodness, I think I don't want to speak for anybody else. I'll, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I had a certain level of expectation, uh, especially when you find out that Matthew Stafford is not playing and that Sean Wolford is, is going to play, um, knowing the challenges that the Rams already had with their offensive line, for instance, with their run game, a certain level of expectation for what this would look like. And it didn't even reach that expectation. I mean, it was it was even worse than than what you uh, might expect. And Jordan, I, I think in particular, your column 
went into this in really good detail, would concern me the most if I was a Rams fan was that drop-off that you saw from the first drive, which was not even a touchdown drive, by the way. It was a field goal drive. But there was some movement. There was some momentum. There was, to my view of it, a plan, a strategy that was being worked out in real time there. The drop-off from that to the rest of the game, essentially, was dramatic. And, Jordan, we, we talk all the time about scripted plays, but... Can you maybe go into what you thought about that or maybe explain to people the difference? We all hear about quote unquote scripted plays, um, but maybe there's not a full understanding of what that means. And just, I mean, were you as kind of shocked as I was at that, at that drop off basically for the rest of the game? Yeah. So great question. And for those who don't know, and, and it's fine to know or not know this um, scripted plays are the, the A plus plays basically that you run before anybody's really had a true chance to make situational adjustments. So if you get the ball first, you run your A plus plays that you all as a staff work up together and create a, a call sheet for you. You make a um, sort of a collective collaborative plan for the first 15. Usually it's 15 for the Rams. It's generally 15. And, and it was 15 yesterday, Sunday, Um you make a collaborative plan about the types of things you want to try, the variation that you want to put together. And this, like I said, this is a collaborative effort. These, this is the 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 top calls on the call sheet, basically, that you want to run. And then every everything from that kind of dictates what you do for the rest of the game. Like if you score early on a scripted drive, which is what we refer to a scripted play drive, which is usually the start of the first half and sometimes also the start of the second half. Um, if you score early, that means that you can sort of stick with those A plus plays. You can pull from more areas of the call sheet. The call sheet is more open and freer to you because you're not playing from a deficit when you're or or a close game. So, like if the Rams went seven points and on that initial drive, I would think that would change some of the things that they went to in their call sheet in the non scripted plays. And remember, this first drive was 14 plays long. Okay, so that's really important context to have because that's almost their entire script, right? So that's almost the entirety of what they decided upon as a group, as a staff, and worked on together um, what they were going to open the game with. And they came in with three points, and still you got the sense that, um, you know, they this was a lot of variation. They mixed runs a lot. A lot of different receivers touched the ball. They did a lot of different types of things in the run game. I mean, this is clear. This was like clear innovation and collaboration. The problem when you're forced to go, when you're off script and then you're forced to adjust and change is at times uh, the play caller then becomes on an island, right? Because things are moving really, really fast and you move directly from a like what is a clear week's worth of collaboration with the script into situational bang, bang adjustment in the moment stuff. And that's, I'm not saying that's not collaborative because everyone's in the headset. I'm just saying it's happening really fast and it's the play caller who makes the, uh, the, the, the end decision on what's going to run, how the team is going to adjust and what the situation merits and dictates. Okay. So this was really telling to me because there was such a stark and contrasting drop-off in the script versus what happens when the play caller is quote unquote isolated. And again, 
it's not that it's not it's not that he's like standing off to the side with only one voice in the headset. He's got a lot of people in the headset talking to him, but there was a difference in the the plan of the group versus what happened when, you know, Sean McVay was sort of then put in that off in that off script situation. And to me that that's concerning. Like the caveat that we have said on every podcast this entire year so far, everything has started up front with them. They are catastrophically injured. They have been catastrophically injured. That's all the caveat here that we enter this with. But the fact that the design and the calls change so dramatically from the first 15 plays of the game to the rest of that first half where the Rams went three and out, what was it, um, three consecutive times and then turned the ball over in their own territory at the fourth series. Mm -hmm. It was such a dramatic difference that I really saw for the first time for the first time really truly this season how dramatic and and perhaps how widespread some of the issues of this this team goes past the injuries yeah i mean one first down the rest of the half after that after that drive and again i, I want to put it in in clarity here i mean that first drive was not a thing of beauty i'm not saying that it, that it was i mean it, it was had its own fits and starts and but but they were moving the ball and and there was balance there. I mean, not to not to fall into my usual you know trap here, but I mean they ran the ball eight times, uh, and it wasn't just handing it to running backs. It was jet sweep. It was a designed run for the quarterback a couple of times. Uh, there there was creativity in the play calling, whether it was play action, moving the pocket. You could see the plan. You could see that it, it probably wasn't going to be perfect. It was going to be a little messy. Uh, it wasn't going to be what you wanted to do, but it was it was a plan. And then it just seemed like as soon as that drive was over, I, I couldn't tell you what the plan was anymore. And I'm not saying that to be like, you know, to be hot takey. Like, I, just, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you what the plan was after that first drive. Ultimately, in the second half, they settled a little bit into you know, the, the play action stuff, the, the one driver, they moved the ball. I mean, it was, I don't know how many, you know, play action they, they ran in a, a row. They weren't fooling anybody. Arizona was not biting on any of them. It was basically John Wolford, you know, faking the handoff, running for his life for five yards and then flinging the ball downfield. And, I that do want to, and I don't yeah. want to interrupt you too much. I yeah. promise I will not interrupt you, Rich, but um, and Rich is like holding it down today uh, because my voice keeps going in and out. Um, so um, just so you, just to like people too, just further context, some of those, when you realize that they're not necessarily biting on the play action as consistently, some of that stuff you use to draw the free rusher, and then that helps your screen game manifest a little bit better, which is what happened on that, that pass, that dump off to, to Higby that got like what, 25 yards. It was the longest play of the game. Um, So some of that is by design, but yes, to your point, they, there was no accountability because there was no frequency of use um, or efficiency, like, and I would say even more so frequency of use being the problem than efficiency in the run game. Yeah, that that was the first uh, play of that drive actually that that, that got that um, that got that touchdown drive drive going. So uh, that was and look, I, I I see what they were trying to do there, but it was not. There was just so much to me, Jordan, that that I was left thinking like where where was anything? Um, you know, the 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 word innovation came up during the week and. And people can take that in a lot of different ways. But to me, like, this was a crisis situation. 
Um, this was not something you come in and you go, oh, okay, we need to tweak our game plan a little bit. Or, I mean, this is one of those games. You've just got to empty whatever you've got. Um, and and I just didn't see it. I, it, you know, the the jet sweeps were there a little bit. You know, how about a reverse? How about uh, you know, lateral lateral it to Cooper Cup and let him throw? How about putting Kyron Williams out there a little bit earlier and and seeing what he could do if you don't have a lot of faith in the two running backs that you have? And and it just wasn't there. What you were left with too often uh, was. And unfortunately, look, John Wolford was put in a bad spot here. Uh, not an ideal situation to be in by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but what you were left with was a quarterback who was not at all comfortable in the pocket. Um, and I'm not even talking about when he was being pressured or running for his life. I mean, he had trouble getting his feet set in the pocket. He had trouble making accurate throws even when he was pretty well positioned in the pocket and and there just wasn't anything there and and i just i i just feel like if you're the play caller in that situation you've just got to throw everything that you can out and and i just didn't see a whole lot of that jordan and and that's what really surprised me well first of all i would agree with you some of those throws were really bad especially the one to cooper and then the one to van jefferson those were dangerous throws those should not have happened um you could see some of the issues, the fumble was really bad. Um, you could see some of the issues there in terms of the quarterback. But John Walford's not a guy who's going to look stoic in the pocket. It's just not his style. Like right, he's gonna pitter patter. Right. He's gonna he's gonna sort of shimmy around in there, and he's not gonna be a a still target. You saw him sort of ducking under hands and doing all that kind of stuff up close. And that's, that's just who John Walford is like, like it or not for better or for worse. That's just, he, he is not a stoic pocket guy. And, and I don't mean that like, it's because he's an out of structure worker. No, that's not what I mean either. I'm just saying <laughs> in a right, vacuum, right. he's not just, his feet are going to be tapping. Right. <laughs> and, and they're going to, and he's going to be trying to shimmy around and all that stuff. That's just how he is. He's antsy right in the pocket. And I think the Rams at the beginning, again, on this scripted drive, they exploited that to their benefit. The first snap mm. was like a bootleg mm -hmm. and it was it was fast. Like that it was like sort of a like a scampering bootleg to the right side, a like, sort of like a I don't even know if you could call it play action because they hadn't even run the ball yet. And like they, yeah. you know, it, but it was one of those and it worked because it, it the action moved quicker and it caught the defense off guard and it got some tempo going and then they went methodical in other ways. And that's where I think you're you're playing to your quarterback strengths, you, regardless of the situation, being a backup quarterback. And I do not buy the fact that, oh, well, you know, you can't run some of the stuff with John Walford that you would run like with Matthew Stafford. John Walford takes all of the ones reps. He takes all of the ones calls. He takes all of like this. Go back and read his article for us at The Athletic. Yeah. He even when he's running the scout team, he takes all of Stafford's reps as ghost reps and he does all of the plate calls and he does everything in that regard. So he knows the offense. You're not throwing anything at him that he's not ready for. There are things that he's not physically capable of, but you're not throwing anything at him that he's not ready for. And this isn't a defense of his game last night. I thought he was really bright in spots and we'll get to a couple of the details too here in a minute, Rich, but I thought he, and then I thought he was really poor in spots as well. But the thing is, is they had this innovative and, I would say daring, I would say like kind of ballsy plan for the first 
for that first, that scripted drive. And you can right. literally almost feel all the ideas of a lot of these coaches that have, you know, have a say in this. You could feel the ideas manifesting on the call sheet. Bryce Perkins, who a lot of the other, some of the offensive, you know, non-Sean McVay offensive assistants worked with, work work with every single day. He had designed run packages. They ran him on a quarterback sweep. Now, the problem was you have a, you know, 200-pound running back blocking, lead blocking for him instead of a 310-pound defensive lineman like Lamar Jackson gets. Um, So that was the issue there. But they're running things that are interesting, that are variant, that are um, that are aggressive and assertive and keeping a defense off balance. And you could really tell the minute they got into that first sort of red area and they had the failed run and then the failed run with Perkins. And then she knew what was coming. Sean McVay was going to take over and call the, um, you know, let's hope right. it gets five third, third down run. Yeah. yeah third on third and 10. And 10. Yeah. And it got seven, which I think everyone's like, wow, you know, like, yay, it got seven. (laughs) And then they, then they settle for the field goal. That's three points. And still, and still, even though, and and like, fine, if you're going to, if, if you're a plus plan, which again, if you're successful in your script, you can stick with your a plus plan. If your a plus plan is that you're going to ask your defense to win this game for you. And you're going to take the points where you can, you're going to chip away where you can, you're going to try to sustain drives where you can, and just basically set your defense up in a position to win the game for you. If that's your a plus plan, considering history, not considering the pretty atrocious performance, the defense had um, in, in bad in key spots Sunday, but considering history, if that's going to be your plan, I, I forgive you for that. Like, I don't even, I don't judge that at all, even though right. hate conservative football, whatever. Like I, I don't judge anybody for that, especially playing with the backup quarterback, especially in sort of the sudden change on offensive line that they're constantly in. No qualms with that. The problem was there was such a drop off in what the ideas were versus what everything else were, was. They, they did not stick with any of those types of things. And when they did run some innovative stuff, um, it was successful. The one play that I want everybody to think about. And it's so, um, to me, it's so important for a lot of reasons. And some of them I'm not even sure yet. And I don't even, I'm not insinuating anything, whatever, but like, it's so important, this one small play. So as we know, John Walford and Alan Robinson got the most reps together in training camp, right? Um, Because Matthew Stafford was on a pitch count and he just didn't get the time with Alan Robinson. When I was telling you guys, and and not just me, everybody who was at Rams training camp, visiting reporters, national reporters, um, the rest of the beat, everybody, everybody who watched any significant amount of snaps at training camp said, all said the same thing. Allen Robinson is about to have a big year. He looks great in training camp. Some of the stuff they're running with him is really creative. They're moving him around everywhere. This is fantastic. We were not lying to you. Okay. (laughs) So... The one play that to me was really fascinating and layered was they ran sort of like a bootleg off the play action. And almost all the time you see that that play action kind of generally moves to the right. And a lot of stuff is set up on the front side of the play, including the early reads, um, either that or the route springs the receiver loose quickly and very rapidly to get to the front side of the read, um, not necessarily being the right side all the time, but generally the front side of the read off of the play action 
is a very has we've just seen that for years and years and years in the McVay offense. Well, earlier this season, one of the issues with the Rams usage of Allen Robinson was that he was very frequently on the backside of any play and the offensive line could not protect at an historic rate. And so Matthew Stafford can't even get to the backside of his progressions, let alone find Allen Robinson on the field, no matter how open or not open or whatever he is. And they weren't setting him up in high probability plays. On Sunday, such a simple, simple detail, they flipped the the direction of the play action from the right side or AKA the front side where some receivers were lined up and you would think, okay, those are the, those are going to be the initial guys in the read. They flipped the act, the, the bootleg, the direction of the bootleg over to the left side. So John Walford is looping around the left side. You know what that also did, Rich, was that completely flipped the front side and the back side. It changed them. So now you have Allen Robinson. Oh, typical. He's lined up on the back side of the progression. no, with that simple adjustment, that simple tweak, now he's flipped over to the front side of the progression. And it was one of the best plays that they made together the entire game. It looked so easy and it, it happened quick rollout to the left on the, on that off the play action, get the ball downfield to Allen Robinson, who is now an early read on the play instead of a late read, simply because they flipped the play action. That to me is a really simple answer to a huge problem and I don't understand why it's taking the backup quarterback doing it in a game in a complete disaster as the season is imploding. I don't understand why that's when you're seeing that type of thing, if that mm. makes sense. No, it absolutely makes sense. And a 14-yard uh, reception that we're, that we're talking about there and it put them in, in good position on that drive. Um, it's a great question, especially it speaks to the ongoing conversation that we've been having all season about Allen Robinson and his role in this offense and trying to figure out how to unlock that and how to manifest all those things that you were seeing um, in training camp. And you start to see a little bit of it. And I think it's a great question. Why, why did it take John Wolford being out there on the field um, to unlock that? Why did it take nine games um, to unlock that? It's a great question. I wonder if we'll see a little bit more of it or whether or not it'll enlighten people. To, well, we have to because Cooper Cup Cooper is probably going to miss some t- like a, multiple weeks at this point. So yeah. you've got to you've got to do these things. You've got to figure these things out. And that's you know these are just examples of what we've sort of talked about in terms of the bigger problem. That dramatic difference, that drop off. I hope we've illustrated that clearly in terms of yeah. what it is. It, it seems to be a symptom of, and what it seems to be indicative of in terms of a larger picture. What the issues are. Um, and and not all of the issues, because, again, every podcast we've done this thus far has opened with the caveat. They are absolutely catastrophically plagued with injuries. And right. this offensive line, nine different iterations in nine games, like almost completely changed over twice um, from the starters to the depth, to the reserve, to the deep reserve depth, back to the depth, now back to some of the starters. I mean, they've gone through the full you know, laundry cycle here in terms of spin cycle, I guess spin is what cycle. I would call it yeah. um, in terms of, of that, like that's been catastrophic and and they can't run the ball and they move away from running the ball, even though it's working. And it's just those types of things. It's there's a lot of issues. And then, and then to top it all off, Rich, the unit that had been playing so solidly for them, no, they weren't taking the ball away, but they were limiting touchdowns. They were very vocal about how proud they were about limiting opponents to field goals just this past week. 
They allow touchdowns now in a big spot. The game completely went out of reach. I mean, it it the the Cardinals went up 24 to 10 in the fourth quarter and it went completely out of reach at that point even though it's only two scores and there was time left and all of that. To me, that's completely out of reach when David Long misses a tackle on third and 17. Now, guys, you on a third and 17, yes, you play off the ball, okay? If you're an overhang corner, yes, you play off the ball. You have to make sure that you're coming downhill hard to get the tackle in space on whoever gets what would they what they correctly guessed would be a catch and run play. And the safety has to come way the hell over and help sort of create that violent intersection to either force the player out of bounds or help make the tackle. Well, you saw what happened. Badly missed tackle in space. A play that should have been stopped at about probably seven yards um, instead was 14 yards because of the missed tackle and set up a fourth and three. Then they attack the same cornerback on the left side of the field um, on an isolation play where he's in zero. So again, he's matched with him. And then that a couple plays later leads to a touchdown. Um, again, attack the same player this time, trying to make him tackle a running back scooting around the outside. So it's just, it's, it's collapses like that, that cannot happen, especially when a, the defense has spent the last week, rightfully being proud to this point of limiting right opposing offenses to field goals or stops instead of touchdowns. And it by no means means that there has been a huge issue that there hasn't been a huger issue with the offense throughout the entire course of the season. But this defense, especially knowing and seeing when Sean McFay decides to kick that field goal, first of all, when he decides to run the ball in that third down and then decides to kick the field goal, when you're finally making, when you're making it clear, Sean McFay is going to ask his defense to win this game for them. It makes it, like it's a bad day to have a really bad day on defense. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, boy. I mean that that whole sequence there that was that was just a killer because they were starting to get a little momentum on offense um, at that point, and you could see like oh, maybe 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 something dramatic happens here, and and they you know get a score. Um, it, it was an interesting contrast to me, Jordan. And I, I'm going to say two things here, and they're going to conflict with each other, but I mean both of them, and I I hope people pick up my sincerity here with the defense. Um, we have had ad nauseum discussions about the the defensive scheme and whether or not it's the right thing to do. We're not, we're not going to get back into that. Um, the thing that bothered me a little bit from the perspective of watching the game was Arizona also had a backup quarterback in the game, Colt McCoy and Colt McCoy did not do anything particularly remarkable in this game. From my viewing of it, he was adequate. He did what he needed to do. Um, but the one thing that he was allowed to do early from my perspective on it was build some confidence and settle down a little bit. Um, and he was able to do that because he was throwing again against a certain type of defense that's going to give him certain types of things. And he wasn't doing anything remarkable, but he was able to get himself in a little bit of a rhythm and complete these passes and keep the sticks moving and stay ahead of the sticks and do everything that you really you would want from your backup quarterback in that situation. Um, I, I thought that was a little bit of a problem for the Rams, but then I, I thought it, I thought it was worth, I mean, honestly, Rich, like, yeah. the Rams really bottled up the run through most of the game. So they didn't actually allow those advantageous rundowns. And then they, the, you know, overall in the course of the game, the, the late down conversions came in probably the worst possible sp- spots and I think there was like the Cardinals went like five for 13 on third down throughout the entire course of the game. So right. and and I also like and I know it's again, I know it's hard for people. And I trust me, I see your mentions on Twitter. Like, I know it's hard to see where the safeties are at on the broadcast. I know it's hard to see where some of the corners are at on the broadcast. Like, I get that. But um, I think if you'll go and watch the all 22, you'll see they were in especially um you know, mixing up, you could see them mixing up a lot of different types of match situations. And again, yeah. uh, David Long is a zero is in zero a couple of times on Rondale Moore. The thing was, and and I and I would say multiple things can be true, as we say all the time on this podcast, where the right. defense failed to make stops in crucial, crucial situations. The fourth downs were the most killer um, of this, um, the, the three and out rate that they forced through the middle of the game, I thought was 
kind of on par with how they've been playing, but the, the allowances that they made a third down, then a fourth down later in the drive, they would compound in those ways that were in advance, like terrible at the, at the exact wrong time and the explosives. Okay. You know, you, 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 the explosive pass play on fourth down and so when I say multiple things can be true, I do think that that's on Raheem Morris because Raheem Morris talked earlier this week about how, okay, they believe in Darion Kendrick. They believe in his development. They like, they love him as a player. He's, he's a rookie who still has a ways to go. Raheem Morris made comments earlier this week that now that David Long is a little bit healthier, um, they're going to put him back in the game. So that was his decision to do that, to move away from the rookie corner, who is a, um, I would say inconsistent player, but also, you know, you, you're going to get that with a rookie and then move toward the veteran player. But the veteran player absolutely killed these guys in the crucial spot. And no, it's not all on him. And no, it's not all on, on any one person, but in those crucial spots. And, and I would say too, um, you saw them mixing their coverages. And that's part of the reason why you have David Long on the field, because you know you have to mix up your coverages a little bit more. You're probably going to have to press down a little bit, get Troy Hill moving in the slot. And then they're going to put Jalen, then they're going to put DeAndre Hopkins or XYZ, whoever, on the outside. And if you move Jalen to the outside, that means that now they can take the underneath stuff. And, and it's just, it's like the cat and mouse game, and you have to be aggressive and assertive, and you have to make those crucial, crucial stops. You cannot let that explosive that killed them on fourth and three. And it's like, they took a shot play on fourth and three. That's how much you knew they were going to pick on this one guy, a shot play on fourth and three. Like, and and so, and and basically, and so I don't mean to stir up this argument all over again, but in, in terms of like it being a collective sort of failure, it's like when you, when those crucial conversions, especially those fourth downs, like, fourth down at the like near the goal line and then the fourth down shot play like those were the crucial conversions the third downs those weren't great you got to get off the field you got to take the ball away but in terms of the overall plan like from the all 22 view you could see them trying to mix their coverages you could see them trying to press down a little tighter in certain situations um and 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 i think you know it's just a lot of things can be true at the same time. And it certainly doesn't excuse the defensive performance because this was one of their worst games of the year, I think in accordance to what you could tell the vision would be versus what the actual um, plan and execution was. Yeah, no question. And and that's the, that was the other part that I was, was going to say there is that when they did get in those situations, then you have to, you can talk all you want about, Oh, you know, more man pressure, whatever. But then when you get in those situations and you see why you see why, if you, if you put certain guys in certain situations, then the other offensive coordinator or the offensive coordinator, the other quarterback is going to say, Hey, there's my opportunity. I mean, it was called out. I, I, I forget which game it was. Was it two weeks ago or three weeks ago? I mean, it was called out on the broadcast. Like as soon as I think it was Greg Olson, who was, who was mm-hmm. doing that, that call, who said, you know, as soon as the Rams went into that coverage, it was like, Hey, that the quarterback's eyes light up because they know uh, they're going to be able to take advantage of a, of a matchup that, that, that they want. So that helps explain why certain things happen in, in a broader context. I, I guess my point, and, and we can certainly agree to disagree is, is fine, but I just, there were certain, especially early in the game, and maybe it's more of a feel thing, and maybe I'm just 
talking completely out of nowhere here, but it just felt like from the perspective of you've got a guy in there. I, I don't know the last time Colt McCoy played. I have seen him feels like he's been around for 20 years, but yeah, he won uh, a lot of games for him last year. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. When, when Kyler was hurt. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, it was just a situation where you wanted to make that guy uncomfortable as, as quickly as you could. And again, maybe that's a feel thing. It's not necessarily quantifiable by, uh, by numbers, but it just felt like he was able to settle down rather quickly. And and I know the Rams got some pressure on him. They got to him a couple times, but it just kind of felt like he was not in that situation where it was like, okay, I'm really in for it tonight. Like I'm, I'm really going to have to, you know, scramble to, to make things happen for it. He still had to make the throws. He still had to make the reads and guys still had to get open and everything else. Like it's not, it wasn't a freebie, um, but I, I just thought it was a little bit too comfortable um, for him. Yeah, ma- of course. Maybe a little bit early on. Um, and, but- and I think, and and Rich, the, the fir- I'm looking at the first drive, the, the readout chart in my notes right now. And the first on the first drive, yes, they held to a field goal, but I hearken back to the situation. Like, this is what I mean. For example, if you're not getting pressure with four, then you leave right. the middle of the field a little bit more susceptible um, to this type of attack because you have, you're sending blitzers and you got one less player. So on a, on a pretty important third and four here in the first quarter on that initial opening drive, they send Bobby R- Wagner, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, and I might not be. So you guys, I'm sure you'll let me know, but they send Bobby Wagner in on a blitz and he gets the ball off to Zach Ertz for 12 yards, like right up the middle of that, of that then corresponding cushion. Right. So you're sending an extra player who could help you press down an experienced player who could help you press down because right. you can't get pressure with four. So you, you're sending and this is part of the problem. You, you saw Raheem Morris reflecting on this publicly and openly this past week where he's like, we need Taylor Rapp to get down closer to the line of scrimmage and cover a little bit more. This is me paraphrasing. He, right. I asked him directly about getting underneath players moving and working. He mentioned he said Taylor Rapp has to do that better. Um, he and more, and you need your safety to be able to do that. You need to be able to trust your safety to be able to do that. You, you, they, they are loving what they're getting from Troy Hill in that regard, but he can't, he, sometimes he's got to be outside, um, on the other receivers. And sometimes you're sending then your next dependable player who probably sh- you shouldn't have in coverage all the time in Bobby Wagner anyway, but then you're sending him, um, you know, a, a sure tackler, you're sending him up to pressure. And so you're taking him away from the rest of the defense where they've had more issues. Um, so it's like, that's, that's where I have this, the issue with what's happening in terms of what this defense is and what its ethos is and some of the planning and some of the execution, sometimes compounding in the wrong spots, because then you're looking at, um, on that same drive. I mean, they can, they convert a a fourth and two and that's the, the short quick pass. Um, and that that was four yards, and that's Troy Hill, who, um, you know, I think wanted see, looked like he wanted to make a play, try to make a play on the ball on that one, and and, and still you hold to a field goal. But then once the um, the explosives start going, once you start letting Colt McCoy get into a little bit of a rhythm with with Hopkins, um, then you're starting to see a little bit more of these these issues happen um, on these drives. And that uh, 14-yard play to to Hopkins on second and eight, you know, when they're starting to go no huddle, you're looking, he's in the gun, and and then he goes no huddle right after that, and he gets 12. You know, these are the types of tempo problems. These are the types of things that we talk about when you can't, you you know, the the players that you do have 
who you expect to sort of step up in these situations maybe are not comfortable doing so, or maybe you're not comfortable in them doing so. And that's not excusing the plan here. That's not excusing any of that. But I think when you're looking at some of the execution errors, you're just thinking to yourself, this is a team, this is a group that should be taking the ball away more. And a group that in the past has won games against the Arizona Cardinals all by themselves, in part because of the pressure they put on the quarterback, in part because of the the secondary making plays when plays are are when they're given the opportunity to make plays. And again, I'm thinking about that fourth and three. And there's not much you can do about that, but you can also argue that it's a, you know, it's it's the coordinator's call to have that corner in that position at that time. Um and still, you know, when everything is just off, then this is the type of game you're going to have. And, and and like I said, Rich, a group that was so vocally proud and should be for overall holding teams to field goals instead of touchdowns and limiting points allowed. And they're, they're allowing only 17.6 points per game at this point. Um, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, kind of what I said at the beginning, it was a really bad day to have a terrible day. And then you could probably argue too, because, you know, Sean McVay said it himself, just an overall lack of complimentary football. You're already got, you've already got one hand tied behind your back when your A plus plan is, okay, I'm going to go super conservative and ask my defense to win this game for me. Yeah, not, um, Oh gosh. So now we're back there again, which is where we should land actually. Um, yeah, I mean, independent of scheme or whatever we want to say, there's, there still has to be plays made and, and the Rams just put themselves in that situation. I mean, where you had basically three play or three out of four plays there where I'm sorry, David long, but is in position to, to make those plays and, and doesn't make them. And, and that ends up being, that ends up just killing whatever, chance you had whatever momentum that you had started to build late in in that game had nothing to do with scheme um that had uh, you know somebody being in position as you said he was put in that position but he was also put in that position because the guy who was previously in the position wasn't getting the job done either so it's just kind of this this uh, this i don't know avalanche of of bad uh that 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 just keeps kind of hitting them um in in these in these very critical moments and um but it circles back to me, Jordan, to where you just didn't see that type of of urgency, um, and and that's really really surprising to me. That first drive, to me, there was a little bit of chaos involved in it, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I actually mean that in a good way. Sitting here and looking at it, going like, "Oh gosh, like I wonder what they're going to do next. Like what 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 are they going to what are they going to try here to 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 move the ball?" And that was a good thing. And that was exactly what they needed to do. And the, the problem is that as the game went on, you just didn't see you, you saw that almost that circle getting tighter and tighter and that and that innovation that you thought would remain or even expand didn't. It just kind of got very static and very narrow. And you just you can't do that. I totally understand what we're saying here. Try to put up, you know, try to put up 14 points and hope that your defense can hold them to 10. I understand the strategy. I understand the thought, uh, but, yeah, but along- like th- just like sit with that sentence for a minute. <laughs> oh, I know and this is regardless of quarterback, Rich. I mean, really? Cause the Rams offense is only scoring 16 points per game. Like think, right. th- just like you listeners, like I know if you've stuck with us through this podcast that 
I have inadvertently just made into such a mess because like I said, my voice keeps going in and out and Rich is like holding it down like a champ. But sit with that sentence for a minute. If you've stuck with us for this long, Rich, say that sentence again. Uh, about the about the scoring yeah is to 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 get to uh, if your plan is to hope to get to 14 points and then hope that your defense is going to allow 10 but i mean that was it right like think about what that is to act to yeah. to have as a as a as an a, as a game plan. plan right in in the nfl but but that's the situation that they were in and and like i i get it but you still have to it just it didn't feel like even within that context that that was the right the the things were progressing um, the right way and that was just really kind of bizarre to watch and Jordan I don't I don't know what the path here is and <laughs> we're gonna end this on a really positive note that everybody will really appreciate but you know you mentioned Cooper Cup being out for probably a, a handful of weeks here we don't know what's going to happen with with Matthew Stafford. Um, Rams have some tough games coming up. I, I don't know. I, I will I will be honest with you and say I don't know what the path here is. I don't know what the reasonable thing is to sit here and say, oh yeah, this is what they should do. I don't have the answers. I'm not sitting here pretending like I'm smarter than Sean McVay and that I have the plan. I, I really don't know, Jordan. Um, and and that's why I think when you sit talk about three and six and the path to the playoffs, uh, it just doesn't look real clear to me no it doesn't and really i think probably you'll see this group ride it out the way that it is right now um unfortunately i don't think this means like any exciting free agent signings in the future um you know especially like a player such as odell beckham who you know there's mutual love between him and the rams there's mutual there's always been mutual interest but like not to kick Rams fans when they're down, but like he want he wanted to go to a contender as he should. That's that's his right. He should want that. The Rams believe they'd be contenders. They're super not right now. So I feel like major changes are coming to this group. Um, they have to, and particularly if you want to keep a guy like Aaron Donald happy through the end of his probably his last contract in the NFL. Um, if you want to maximize the Aaron Donald contention window, if you want to maximize the Matthew Stafford window, if you want, you know, especially in the context of Cooper Cup, especially in the context of all of this, like you probably ride it out with who you have and you try to rally guys around you. And we'll see really um, what this group is made of as a coaching staff, I think, in terms of leadership and motivating guys and we'll see what the internal leadership looks like as well. Um, because I would imagine they write it out with the guys they have. They try to put together as best they can um, a string of wins if they can. And then you see, you kind of see where you're at at the end of the season. And then, but frankly, after that, I think they blow a lot of parts of this up and we already know that they aren't expecting to return several of these players um, who are on their last year of their contracts. So you see, how that goes. And then you see, you know, if I know anything about this group, and I guess this could be the positive we end on, Rich. If I know anything about this group and God help me, I I feel like at times I just know way too many use useless things about this group <laughs> that will never uh, be uh, of any use in like real life, right? But contextually is important. If I know anything about this group, 
it's that they will force catalysts. If they're in this situation, they're not going to be in this situation forever. And I feel like that's what people sometimes miss about this group when they're sort of trying to diagnose, you know, and do an autopsy or whatever. This group does not have a middle ground. It's either going to be just crazy bad for a, for a period of time. And then they make some extremely aggressive and high stakes moves and do a lot of different things that sometimes people haven't even thought of doing or being possible. And then all of a sudden it's crazy good. There's really not much of a middle ground. And I think we go back to the isolation and the collaboration juxtaposition between script and off script. When we're talking about this ethos too, here at the end of this podcast, that's kind of Sean McVay as well. Um, That's representative. I've always said he's a hard on his sleeve play caller. He's a hard on his sleeve um, organizational builder and um, uh, leader within the organization. And that's, that's sort of descriptive of, of him as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's honestly, that's the right way to go. I've, I've covered teams in the past organizations in the past. I'm not talking about the Rams at all, where I kind of sat there and looked at them and I thought your goal is to be slightly above average like that. That that seems to be what you're going for here and the way that you're building the roster and the way that you're managing your money. You're trying to be just a little bit better than average. I don't ever get that sense for the Rams. I I don't think that's ever going to be part of their ethos. Um, Like you said, they are a go big. And, and if, if, going big means eventually having to pull back in order so that you can go big again at some point. That's what they're going to do. I don't think they're in a situation where you see some teams, not even necessarily of the NFL, you know, where they're making moves just to try to get a little bit better, trying to get, make moves just to sneak into the playoffs and then hope like that's not, that's not what's going to happen here. Uh, You're going to, as you said, see them ride this out uh, to make the moves that they can to capitalize on this, window that they have and then at some point that's going to change and then there's going to be a whole other a whole other strange wacky plan that that goes on to to bring them uh back to the top but i really think if you're a fan and i'm I'm certainly not telling people how they should feel or how they should react but i really i honestly feel if you're a fan you should applaud that type of uh, it, uh strategy and, and it might make for some difficult days it might make for some really days you want to pull your hair out or seasons you want to pull your hair out. But uh, I think in, in general, it's the way that you want to approach things. Uh, being mediocre isn't fun for anybody. Uh, it, it might, it, it might feel like it's better than being bad, but uh, over a long haul being mediocre isn't, isn't fun. So, uh, I don't know. Is that a high note? I, that doesn't feel like much of a high note. I mean, in con- <laughs> in in context to what I brought it back like, down in again. comparison in comparison to the rest of yeah. how Rams fans probably feel. I I will say I I don't want to make light of any situation, and I and I want everyone to feel their feelings. Please feel your feelings. I did get a really funny tweet uh, as we were recording this uh, from our pal Jaron Guzman. He said at Jordan Rodriguez. You should schedule a day off this week. Surely you could use the rest. I'd bet this team is exhausting to cover. Stay well. And then someone <laughs> responded to it. Uh, JD responded to it. She's miserable, just like us right now. <laughs> I was like, man, Rams fans are going through it today. Um, but shout out to to some humorous and, and levity tweets. Shout out to a, a bunch of people who sort of came out of the woodwork to go out of their way to be kind 
on social media um, yesterday. I is know that still allowed? This is a, a really emotional time for a lot of people, a lot of fans who are emotionally invested in this team. And I think that is yeah. right and fair to feel all your feelings. Um, you guys know I'm a big fan of feeling all your feelings. So um, you know what, Rich? We are here for the long haul. We're on this ride. And we are uh, the crossbar of the roller coaster is pressing down further and further into our rib cages at some point. We will hear a crack, we will gasp, yes. and darkness will set in. Well, I feel much better now. Yeah, do you um, feel good? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm ready to go out and tackle the world right now. Um, <laughs> Jordan, I'm going to end things on a positive. Rams fans have you. That's that's one thing oh, we can all agree on, right? I and mean, my no matter... apologies to all of them. <laughs> no, not at all. But you know what? We're, we're wherever things go here over the next few weeks on the field, we're we're going to have a lot to talk about. We didn't even get into some of the stuff that, uh, in terms of that roster construction, we're we're going to start taking a hard look at at draft picks too, and 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 how certain things are playing out, and how that factors into some of these things that we're talking about, depth issues, the way that you like to run your schemes. Uh, I think the, the some of the some of the draft decisions have played into that. So we'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk about long-term planning. Um, but my, back to my positive. Whatever happens, Jordan Rodrigue has you covered. Ram, uh, Rams fans who subscribe to The Athletic already know that. Thank you so much, each and every one of you, for your support. If you haven't joined yet, think about what the next year is going to bring. Think about how you're going to want to read about it. There's nobody better than Jordan right now. Right now, you can go to theathletic.com slash 11 personnel, sign up, get all of Jordan's great coverage and her favorite thing in the entire world, which is what? A great discount. You guys, every single time you sign up to The Athletic through the 11 personnel podcast, you get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. And also, by the way, keep your eyes out for a Black Friday sale. I know the holidays are approaching. Um, we're going to have some really cool, great discounts running through that period, but also anytime, always, year-round. If you subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast, you get a great discount every single time. Guys, you already know what I'm going to say. Hope you're being good to yourselves and each other out there. Stay caffeinated. Stay hydrated. We'll catch you next time.